Thanks for tuning in. We're Ace Comicals. I have with me my co-host Rahul Jani and Leon Everett. I'm Greg Driver. Let's get started. Hi guys, welcome to Ace Comicals. This is the first show of 2017, episode 001. We decided this would be a great way to kick off the reboot of the show by talking about how comics work and how we got into it a little bit. Uh, A gentle introduction for people who are curious about comics and to address some of the things that we wish we'd been told when we first got interested in comics because it can be a confusing place. Yeah. Um, comics, are, comics are difficult to get into, I think, sometimes if you don't know where to begin. Com- so. Comics are hard when you walk into the shop and you just look at the shelf and you see all these different things and you're just like, where do I start? I just wanted to read a Spider-Man comic, but damn, you know. So, it can be an intimidating uh, experience at the beginning. It can. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what the point of this show is, to kind of take some of the sting out of it, I guess. Uh, so I'm going to hand over now to my co-host Rahul, who... Uh, is going to be he's going to be the lead on this one so take it away ray thanks greg right so um it's not going to be a list of books to read because there are plenty of resources online which can give you recommendations of great graphic novels to read first though towards the end of this show we will mention our favorites um instead this is going to be more of an explanation of the aspects of the comics industry that we came to learn throughout the process of getting into it um, and you know, coming to understand comics ourselves. So between the three of us, we have varying degrees of expertise and uh, submersion into the hobby. Um, in my opinion, Greg is the most encyclopedic in his knowledge of comics, um, not just of the three of us, but like of anybody I know. So he's a great resource for uh, finding out where to go next. And you know, any small questions I have on comics, I turn to Greg. Uh, Leon, I think, has the most formal education in media and a passion for deconstructing stories. And I myself, I'm predisposed to just loving anything that's put in front of me. And I just, I love reading comics and I love watching films and I love, I just love absorbing stories. So comics are great for that. Um, I remember a moment when I got my first proper job after graduating and I bought my first tablet, which was a Nexus 7. And I wanted to read some Spider-Man comics digitally. Uh, and I had no idea where to begin. So I went to Wikipedia to find the Spider-Man comic to read, only to find that this made things more confusing. There was a heading for the ongoing series, the previous series, the limited series, one-shots, crossover events, collected editions, annuals, trade paperbacks, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I found this incredibly intimidating, and I had no idea to where to begin. Um, I mean, do you have a similar story for this? Yeah, uh, th- this happens to me a lot um, whenever I hear about a comic or a comic series or whenever I hear about an event I should read and then I try to like okay uh first place you head to Wikipedia first place that comes up uh in Google I head there and it just makes it 10 times worse there's no (laughs) proper information there's no proper linking there's no in interweaving encyclopedia that makes this all clear because the continuity of a lot of these, especially with the big, long-running superhero comics, are just indecipherable and um, impenetrable. So I've had that issue a lot, and I've gone to other resources, other other sites out there, uh, and it just feels like a big patchwork, really. Um, There doesn't seem to be, like, one main place to go where I can just, like, know where I am, see some sort of chart, 
and see how that connects to what came before and what came before and what came before. See, so yeah, mm. it just makes it, it makes starting itself almost impossible. I yeah, I, th- I think mm. no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't. Uh, I don't think that I was that methodical and that kind of organized and planned when I got into it because I wasn't thinking about it like that. I was just um, maybe I'd seen. Uh, a, a Spider-Man cartoon or something, and I'd be like, "Okay, that's cool. I want to know more about that bad guy." So I'd look for something with that bad guy, and I'd read about that bad guy, and then I'd look for comics where that bad guy appears, and I'd, I'd probably read one of those stories, and do mm. it that way. Um, well, see, I think my barrier to entry was I wanted to know which story to get into, but in trying to find the right story to begin with, uh, people were explaining all these different uh, terms, and um, there's all this nomenclature that's specific to comic books so there's all these terms and no clear place to begin um so i think that's the place that i'd like to start yes so let's begin with the different types of formats um and by formats i mean the various ways in which a comic is published and sold so when you think of comic books you may think of the thin floppy pages which are often shown in tv and film so for example if you've ever watched the big bang theory you'll see they go to a comic book shop quite often and they're flipping through these archive boxes and pulling out these um plastic wrapped individually sealed comic books um these are called periodicals or most commonly referred to as issues sometimes floppies um so for any particular story a single issue is generally generally released about once a month. Um, a loose analogy is that they are like a single episode of a TV show, except instead of getting one episode a week of a TV show, you get one issue of a comic book per month. Um, the regularity of releases varies depending on the publisher, uh, the writer, etc. But once a month tends to be the standard. Um, I think sometimes you have... Long-running comics, they have hiatuses in between their runs, but that's that's a different story. We can get to that later. Um, generally, I think not generally, specifically, new issues are released on a Wednesday, a.k.a. comic book day. And I know Greg in particular looks forward to Wednesdays a lot for this, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I... Like you go to the comic book shop every single week. So, yeah, I have, I have like a, a, a few different comic series that I follow. And um, they obviously, like within a month, each week there's different releases so you get one a month of each one but like they all come out different weeks and it's usually a wednesday when they uh when they put them on the new on the shelves so i'll i i have like a, a running subscription type thing going where i'll go into the comic store and i'll be like okay so when the delivery comes in can you pull this this and this for me because i'm collecting these and i don't want to miss one because it's really annoying if you miss one so because uh, then going back to try and find it is pain um so I, I i go in and i pick them up every wednesday and that's kind of like the little sort of bit of joy in my week going to the comic book <laughs> shop and getting my new comics it's great as it should be yeah yeah, yeah. i love going to the comic book shop like um, like when and... you sit down at night and your favorite tv show is going to come on and it's the next episode and you've been looking forward to the end of the cliffhanger so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i have the same feeling um but i collect comic books digitally for the most part but again we'll get to that a little bit later on um So going back to these single issues, the periodicals, uh, a single issue is generally a little bit smaller than an A4 size page, I'd say, maybe a bit thinner. Mm. Um, Usually consists of about 30 to 35 pages total, um, with about 25 pages dedicated to the story story comic content. Um, Almost universally read in portrait format and from left to right. Uh, There may be a few pages at the center and or back for adverts. and generally five or six pages of non-story content, for example, the fans' letters to the writers. Um, 
Adverts, I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore, actually. The only times I've seen adverts at the back of comics now is advertising other stories by the same publisher. That's because um, that's you read a lot of image comics, I think. That's, um, that's, that's publisher, true, yeah, because I mean, the, yeah. so you know, like the bigger ones, like DC and stuff, you'll mm. get, you'll get like, it's usually comic-centric adverts, like DC-centric adverts, but like there's Snickers adverts in my Batman comics, <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. So... Um, Cool, I'm gonna to have to check that out. I mean, do you, so about the the like the content you have at the back end of the comics. Do you guys have any favorites? Uh, like, for example, I like Brian K. Vaughan, who's a very prolific comic book writer. At the back end of his uh, saga issues, um, like every year, he drops in a questionnaire that he likes his fans to answer, and then the next issue after he comes back after the new year he responds and explains which were the most popular questions which had the most popular answers and stuff do you guys have any examples of that um my favorite one again brian k vaughan is what he's done with paper girls where he's encouraged Mm -hmm. people to answer questions as if it is still that time period so paper girls is set in the 80s and he's encouraged people to like write in with stamp addressed envelopes and do the whole 80s kid thing, you know, and talk about being a paper boy or a paper girl back in the 80s. And I thought I thought that was kind of cool because it's it's like mm. I think it's the most. Because um, I like the theme, basically, I like the fact that it's got yeah. a theme and it's encouraging people to interact. It's like, you know, and it's I think it's something that's fairly unique to comics in that it's. The, the method of interaction with the audience is very specific that way and there's something to look forward to and you know where to do it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that about comics. Um, yeah, so issues. So all the pages are printed, uh, folded and stapled at the spine in the same manner as maybe a short magazine or a newspaper. So generally these issues run in sequence uh, once a month to complete a single arc. So to continue the analogy, uh, these arcs are equivalent to one season or series, <laughs> depending if you're British or American. Um, what do you say? Season in the UK? One season of a TV show. Um, as with TV, the length of an arc is entirely dependent on the story, and comic books are a bit more flexible with their definition of what an arc would be. Um, so a rule of thumb is that an arc is roughly five to seven issues long, um, and... I mean, there are exceptions to this rule. A long-running serialized comic, for example, The Walking Dead, uh, doesn't necessarily follow a strict arc format. It just continues on as one long, continued story, like maybe a serial one soap arc. opera. Like, yeah, so it's the extenders of comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could you could take something like um, uh, so we'll take something simple. We'll say like I don't know, uh, Spider-Man, right? And um, an arc in a Spider-Man comic might be. Uh, three spider-man comics where it's a story involving a particular villain like the vulture and how spider-man overcomes the vulture so in those three comics start to finish that's the vulture arc of that particular so so it's like those three books and then it it comes to an end and he's beaten the vulture and that's that arc over then he moves on to the next villain so that's the arc Mm. the arc is like a, a a smaller story within a bigger story yeah, like the beginning, middle, and yeah. an end yeah. that you can that you can collect together. So, yeah. moving on to the next bit, then. So, uh, when the writer and/or publisher deem it fit, a sequence of issues, generally a complete arc, as we just described, will be collected into a single trade paperback, also known as a volume or a collected edition. Um, I personally like to say volume. I know Greg, you prefer the term trade paperback. You use it a lot, but I find that a bit of a mouthful but I'm yeah. going to try and stick to that because I think that's the, the correct term, is that I, right? Well, I don't know. Like, it, call it whatever you want. I, I just shorten I it I just shorten it to TPB 
and and because because I know that the the actual book is <laughs> it's called a trade paperback, so I just call it a trade yeah, paperback. Yeah. But I think if you want to call it like volume one of Black Panther or volume one of Spider Man mm. or volume one of yeah, you can do it that way. But like, I mean, generally people will know what you're talking about. If yeah, you say yeah, yeah, either or the other. Yeah. So um, trade paperbacks they are thicker and sturdier than a single issue. They resemble thicker magazines, though of higher quality, not quite as floppy. Um, better paper, better printing, uh, generally like quite sturdy. Um, and the individual pages are cut and glued together at the spine as opposed to stapled with issues. Um, these trade paperbacks are often given their own title in the manner of a novel. So, for example, Greg mentioned Black Panther. The new 2016 Black Panther run was simply titled Black Panther during its monthly releases. But the first collected edition, released in August 2016, which collects issues one to four, is titled A Nation Under Our Feet, Volume One. The second collected edition, released in January 2017, collects issues five to eight and is called A Nation Under Our Feet, Volume Two. Book one and book two, yeah. Yeah, um, or book one, <coughs> volume yeah, one, yeah, trade paperback. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this naming convention of A Nation Under Our Feet in this example, the naming convention will likely continue until the writer deems a title change, either for creative reasons or to highlight the end of a particular story or arc. Uh, the collected editions may not always have exactly the same content as the issues they collect. So what was the, you just mentioned one, Greg, uh, or we, we, we discussed this earlier, um, that the Black Panther uh, collected trade paperbacks don't have a particular sequence of images at the start, which explains um, which character is which, so yeah. their face against their name. Um, or, for example, the saga volumes, uh, collected editions, do not contain the fan letter pages, which we mentioned earlier. They but usually, instead... Yeah. There's, mm. I mean, like, if you stack up a pile, that, like the four comics that make up the trade paperback, it will feel thicker. But that's because yeah. they cut out all the adverts, they cut out all the fan letters, they just keep it to the story pages. And maybe yes. put in some of the exposition at the back, like things you might yeah, find interesting. You usually get a little bit of extra stuff at the back of a trade paperback as well with like um, uh, like concept drawings and concept mm. art for character costumes and things like that. So I also Yeah, a little bit of behind. Yeah, collect Sorry. together all the covers at the back as well. And you get all the uh, um, alternate covers as well. Because usually when you buy a monthly comic, there's not just one cover design. There's several cover designs that you can get for that one comic because you can choose the cover you like and buy the cover you like and but yeah so yeah, yeah. i like when they they collect together all these behind the scenes yeah. or like yeah. the alternate covers and stuff at yeah. the end um right so alongside the trade paperbacks we have what we can broadly call graphic novels so whereas trade paperbacks collect a series of issues released over a long period of time a graphic novel is generally released in one go and is specifically written to be consumed as a whole. So the closest analogy, as the name suggests, is a written novel. Um, the length of a graphic novel can vary depending on the writer or the artist. Uh, the story generally has a beginning, middle, and an end, all contained in that one book. Um, but like with books and films, they may later spawn sequels, prequels, whatever. Um, a physical shape of a novel can be drastically different. This is, I think, one of the big differences between a trade paperback and a graphic novel. Um, a graphic novel could be softbound, hardbound, arranged in landscape mode, which is pretty unusual when discussing trades or issues. Um, for example, like the shortest edge could be bound in um, on the side, or you know, it could be presented in portrait mode, similar to a trade paperback. Or the variations are limitless, essentially. Um, 
loads of cases of books which are considered as singular graphic novels, but they originally began life as a short run of issues. For example, Watchmen um, started life as 12 individual issues, but the main way that you see it for purchase now is as one big thick book, which runs seamlessly together. Um, I don't know if you guys have any examples of like other unusual graphic novel types. Um, um, I think um, I don't know if you could call Nightfall Batman Nightfall a graphic mm. novel. I don't know because it's it's like it's a collection of three big fat graphic novels, but it collects together a particular chunk of Batman comics that deal with a particular storyline, and it's collected together under the Nightfall banner. The, the story yeah. is called Nightfall, but originally it would have just been published as Batman. And it's and it's yeah. huge as well. Like it's yeah. much much bigger than a, a traditional trade paperback, which yeah. would be. Yeah, you get that with like collections of the old um, classic Marvels. So like, you can grab what looks like uh, an Argos catalog um, <laughs> size of like Spider Man or X Men comics, and it will be like Amazing Spider Man. Uh, fourteen, all the way up to like fifty-two or something like that. Yeah, mm. but it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily. Those ones aren't necessarily um, start to end. They're more of an omnibus. Yeah, omnibus. That's a good way to yeah. describe that. Yeah, yeah. They're they're actually called. They usually call them an omnibus. So you got like the. I think the ones Leon was referring to are usually like called like Essential Spider-Man or something like that, and they usually are. They're usually referred to as an omnibus because it's literally every single Spider-Man comic from one to 20 or whatever in one big book yeah i guess yeah. these omnibuses if you really want to dive in deep would yeah. be a good place to begin if that's if you know if that's if you, you can want. find omnibus that starts at number one and, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay um so i think we've covered all the general formats yeah um i guess we can move on to addressing <laughs> what i consider to be the most confusing aspect of comic books so that's the different properties and their continuities so comic books as we know them have been around since the 1930s. It's been around for forever in, <laughs> from my perspective. So in this time, loads of different stories have been told by loads of different people through many different publishers. And over the years, these stories sometimes need to find new ways to refresh themselves. So in the same way that we have movie sequels, prequels, reboots, remakes, uh, comic books follow the same trends. In fact, they've done so long before movies did it, and they get even more complicated than movie reboots and sequels and prequels can get. So I think one of the things, one of the main things to be aware of is that the different stories and characters and settings are generally attached to a particular publisher. So for example, your favorite childhood characters are likely still represented in comic book form. Um, so for example, we've got a publisher called IDW and they publish Ghostbusters comics, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, um, Transformers comics. They currently ongoing. They're still producing new content um, based under these properties. We've got Image Comics. They do The Walking Dead and Spawn, um, amongst many others. We've got Dark Horse Comics. They do Alien vs. Predator, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sin City, Xena the Warrior Princess. The list goes on. Um, I've only mentioned the comics that have crossed over into TV and or movies, but know that one of the most wonderful things about comics is that each publisher has an amazing spread of lesser known properties and they all have they're all brimming with different ideas and like stories that you wouldn't be able to see in any other medium and i think that's the magic of comics in a nutshell is that it's its own medium it's unique and 
you can't find you can't find these stories easily presented and anywhere else. There is literally something for everyone because yeah. because yeah. there's somebody who there's basically there's literally something for everyone because somebody there is somebody who 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 thinks like you who has made a comic that yeah so so that's the great thing about it there's something for everyone it's not it's not like um say television or film where they produce something and it has to appeal to a mass of people because the great thing about comic books is they don't have to appeal to a mass of people because there's that you can you can just you you create what you want to create and you put it out there and if people don't like it they don't like it but someone's going to like it because it agrees with somebody yeah so i think it's, it's easier to yeah. cater to an audience yeah. with comics because because there's not so much risk like for example like you mentioned tv shows yeah. and you have to put all this money into appealing to the largest audience so you can make your profit back comics i think they there's a smaller margin of of error that way like there's like you said there's something for everyone and creators aren't afraid of putting their ideas into a comic because they're you know it's just it's it's a relatively easy yeah. and cheap way of producing content yeah, and it's, compared to it's, TV and film. It's a nice progressive inclusive medium as well. People people yeah. aren't scared to, to, to print what they want to print. People aren't scared to use their freedom of speech and whatever else. So I think, yeah, that's that's also true. It's yeah. um, because the comics sit on the sidelines a little bit, not as much as they're used to anymore, but they still kind of do. They're an outside medium. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's easier to be more inclusive without fear of backlash yes. in comics. Yes. Um, right, so for the sake of simplicity, breaking down the different continuities, we're going to focus on the big two, which pretty much everyone will be aware of. Uh, but know that the same general rules apply to any other long-running properties from different publishers. Um, an example of this would be Judge Dredd, where there's hundreds and thousands of different uh, stories and runs and continuities and reboots and whatnot. Um, but I'm going to hand this over to Greg because he's, like I said, the most encyclopedic in his knowledge of comics. And he'll explain to you about the big two, Marvel and DC. Right. So the way this works is um, we'll start with runs. Uh, so a run is a number of comics about a set of characters or a singular character usually by a specific writer and with regular artists to give a sense of conformity. So you'll have a, um, a single run that spans uh, as many comics as it needs to, 50 comics, 20 comics, whatever. And that'll be by a singular creative team, a writer, an artist. Um, and that will deal with one character or a group of characters. So the um, X and Y run of Hero J or whatever, you know. And that's how people will refer to it. They'll say the, uh, the 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 Frank Miller run of Daredevil, because it's Frank Miller that you know. Frank Miller's Frank Miller was one of the part of the creative team, so they'll call it the Miller run of Daredevil because it was the one that he worked on. And and a run um, usually has a start and a finish. Um, and because he's after that. The, the 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 creative property the character will be passed on to the next writer and artist to work with so you'll have the um the first uh so imagine uh easiest way to explain this is if you know when you're a ch you're a kid and you play this game where you write part of a story and then you pass it on to the next guy to finish the next part of the story uh it's kind of like that in a, in a sense that um, one per one creative team will work on a run. They'll go start to finish. There'll be an ending, but they'll leave a little bit, a little tiny bit of thread that the next guy can pick up and work with. 
So the next people come along and they take into account everything that happened before and then write the next chunk of the story. And then the next creative team will come along. And this is these are runs. This is how you split something into runs, basically. Um, now, the a run will, will more often than not start with number one and then come to a logical conclusion. Um, as I've explained, a new run might begin with an end, where an endpoint is reached and a new creative team takes over the story, taking it back to number one. Uh, if you try... Now... This is the next part, and they keep adding a chunk and so on. So if you try to imagine this, but with you taking the story to an end point and then the next person picking up the thread, as I've explained. Um, now, building on this, imagine you have five characters and you've that you've been playing this game with, and you decide to cross all five into one story. So if five characters, each with their own runs, yeah, and then you've got these five threads, and you want to make them into one story... And that one story changes the very fabric of the universe they all inhabit. Something that changes things for the better or worse and has a profound effect on everyone. This is what we call a crossover event. So you're crossing over the five stories into one big event where it affects everyone. Uh, the individual stories continue, but where they intersect, you get a separate story that probably lasts a few issues and contains all of the characters. Following this, depending on how profound the event is, you might, more often than not, get another start over with new number ones. So... You get five characters cross over into one big story, someone dies, something happens to the universe, and then everyone goes back to number one again. Uh, and, and we start with a new creative team working with number one. So it's a new, new universe uh, with a new status quo and a new creative team working with each character. And something will be slightly different, like this time character X is a woman instead or something like that. And, and this is where it starts to get really confusing, actually, if it isn't already confusing enough. Because you can have two or more separate runs about the same character that inhabit different universes if that makes sense so if you imagine two groups of people start with the same character and play the same game where they're adding bits to the story but it's something slightly different in the other one so um you've got two people uh playing so you imagine like uh, with spider-man you've got ultimate spider-man and you've got amazing spider-man and it's the same character it's just two different ways of telling that story and something slightly different between one and the other. Um, now, and I was going to yeah. say that sometimes these crossover events can be used to unify stories that have gone far too disparate to be manageable anymore. I think there's there's a lot of instances where the writers have kind of backed themselves into a corner and they think, oh, let's let's do this one unifying event, and then maybe we can bring the the stories back to point again, and then continue on. Yeah. Uh, with a bit more sense yeah and that happens i think that happens quite a lot right it's it's yeah it's a way for them to just sort of like clear the slate and get back mm -hmm. to basics usually and it's helpful as well because this is this is where you bring new readers on so this is a good place to get started after an event when it all shoots back to number one and it's nice and simple again mm. um event what are some of the more famous crossover events in marvel and dc's history so um oof. Well, for this, this is yeah. this is one of the things that I was really confused by when I first started. I had no idea. I'd like I'd heard of the terms like New Fifty Two and Rebirth and yeah. such and such, and I, I still don't quite get it. I just so yeah, I don't know. If... I think the way that works is you've got the New Fifty Two and Rebirth and whatever are different universes in so, the DC universe. Yeah, it's like it's correct? like yeah it, it, yeah so so. Within the DC, so like I was explaining, you've got people playing with the same characters, doing the same thing, um, mm. the same game where they add bits to the story, but they're doing it in slightly different ways. And that's why you've got like, so in, 
there's there's a, a with with rebirth the whole point of it is um something happens and then something has changed so that it's now slightly different and we go back to issue one for each character but something's missing and something's different um so but crossover events i'm talking about things like marvel civil war where the whole universe right. gets involved and then after civil war you've got the fallout of that and the repercussions and how that affects each character and that's uh, that sets up a new jumping on point for new readers yeah or yeah to refresh the continuity yes yeah um now sometimes like uh as i was explaining you've got these separate universes and as it's, as i've explained one event that's happened in one universe might not have occurred in another a good example of this might be um, a death of a family member that was pivotal in that character's decision to take a specific action so in one in one universe that character dies but then there might be a separate universe where what if that character didn't die this is what happens so these separate universes are what we refer to as continuities basically so it's like different continuities so you've got one like the ultimate continuity of spider-man and then the amazing spider-man continuity if that makes sense um, but they they can be considered as two separate stories essentially yeah that run in yeah they can they can be considered as two separate stories because that's basically what they are they're just two different two different ways of telling the same story but they inhabit the same multiverse <laughs> because you've got all these different universes all these different continuities and um you've got the dc multiverse and the marvel multiverse which is all of it collected together because occasionally these universes intersect and this is where you get like these massive like universal crossover events that serve to reset everything usually mm. um and it, it's again at a crossroads point in the story and it just leaves it nicely set up for a fresh start um it's really confusing and really difficult to explain um if i've made it sound any simpler for you guys then <laughs> but it honestly uh, I, I think yeah i think the point of uh, to take away from this is that it's inherently quite confusing yeah and i don't envy your task in trying to explain all that greg because i don't <clears> think <throat> there is a way to make that sound any simpler simple. no there's not yeah the, the best the best thing to take away from this is don't get bogged too bogged down in what happened before when you want to start reading about a particular character forget about all these events and everything else and just start with number one just pick a number, number one any one. number one yeah and and just mm. start reading at number one because eventually you'll start to pick up things anyway because as you read you'll see things that you don't recognize they'll, they'll reference something and you'll be like oh what was that and then you'll go back to a wikipedia page and you'll go that's what happened but who's this character and then you'll start sort of jumping around reading about different stuff and eventually you'll just know it but that's that's the, yeah i mean to be fair i have a slightly different experience with that like um you talked about spider-man yeah and i started with spider-man unlimited because I knew that it was a finished story. And I actually didn't do what you mentioned. I didn't go to Wikipedia when I didn't understand something. Because so I trusted... Do you mean Ultimate the... Spider-Man? Sorry, Ultimate yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Um, I read it through start to finish without referencing Wikipedia or without looking for outside information. Because I trusted that it was a new story and it had a new beginning. And yeah. everything that I needed to know was going to be revealed to me along the way. And then after the fact, I went back and realized that, oh, maybe there were some things they didn't explain very well or that were deliberately vague because they tied into another um ultimate run and i so yeah I, I mean the best advice we can give is just find a character you like and start at a number one as greg said and just keep going until you hit a point that 
you feel like it's finished and you've got an idea of what you want to see next. And generally the story in itself will weave in and tell you, like lead you to a different story from there. So for example, yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man um, introduces a bunch of the Ultimate X-Men and then you think, oh, maybe I'll check out the Ultimate X-Men. And it turns out that is a whole separate run that you can dive yeah. into if you so feel like. I don't know if you guys have any other input on that. Um, no, that's, I think, uh, I think that's just, that's just, that's as, as much as we can explain for that. I without think. going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Without, yeah. without going too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the simplest way to put it. And as I was, as I'm saying, just, just start at number one. Doesn't matter, uh, you know, what's happened, how many events you've missed or, you know, you're not, you've not missed anything. Just start at number one and eventually you'll pick everything up as you go along anyway, because you'll be curious and you'll read about things and maybe you'll go back and pick up a, a graphic novel, a collected story of that character that involves that villain. So, you know, more, you know, that kind of thing. So actually, and one thing we haven't talked about, which is almost specific only to comic books, because I don't see it happening very often in films and TV. Um, but there's this comic book term called retcon, which refers to a retroactive continuity. And this is part of that inherent confusion, because what will happen is somebody will start a new story and quote unquote retcon certain details. So if in all the stories you've known about a particular character, um, a close family member has been dead and that's what drives them to do what they do, some writers may retcon that out so that the, the character in question never died and that's just the state of things now and i think kind of it is you just have to go along with it and yeah assume yeah just assume that you're going to be slightly confused at certain so aspects because that yeah. that usually happens at the end of like a universe changing event mm. so like um when they have like these crossover events there'll, there'll be like one big universe changing event and that will change the fact that somebody died. They'll either get resurrected through Deus Ex Machina, or that someone will get sent back in time to a point where they can change, stop it from happening, or something weird like that. And then doing in doing that, the universe changes, and that's where you get your new number ones, and that's where you've got this whole retcon thing coming from because it's been retconned that that character did not die, or that character did not get superpowers, and this character got superpowers instead. So you have a different person being that hero. But yeah, yeah, because part of it is like because another usage of the term is like return continuity and it's a way mm. for them to sort of clean house and um, get things back to what happened before yeah. this last run which complicated things tremendously yeah <sighs> okay so, so that's a lot to take in yeah <laughs> so shall we move on to something a little bit easier so yeah around? I'm going to wheel um, away the blackboard now and um, <laughs> this is going to get handed over to our my other co-host uh, Leon Everett and he's going to give us a brief note on the difference between comic book continuity and cinematic continuity. So off with the heavy physics, on with something else. Go on, Leon. Well, like with the comics and all their different versions and different continuities, the uh, the, adap the, adap the adaptations, whether they be um, cinematic or on TV, uh, exist in their own continuity. Um, and like for the big two universes, Marvel and DC, they're split between the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, but all, but that stuff also encompasses the stuff that happens on TV, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, or the Netflix shows. Um, and then you have the DCEU at the moment, which is um, Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel and uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, but confusingly, on TV, uh, 
the DC universe is um, split, so you have a different actor playing Flash on TV than you will have in the movies. So you, you sort of have that um, that weird thing to deal with. But generally, uh, these are stories that are adapted often from... Well, on, on the, the base of it, it's characters that are taken from the comics and then new writers, uh, producers, directors, or showrunners uh, are then pretty much given free reign to create new stories of these characters. So what often happens is that... Um, you'll get something like Supergirl and week by week she'll face off against a different villain that was also in the Superman and Supergirl comics. Um, but that storyline will bear uh, no real resemblance to how things took place in the comic. Um, the main reason this happens um, is because, as we were just discussing, in the comic book world, a lot of these things are intensely complicated Um and there's just too much. Uh, there's there's way too much, way too much baggage, way too much history. And to fit what the directors, writers, producers, or showrunners' uh, plan is for their show, uh, they will often pick and choose elements from the history of comics. And for the the big two especially, they have uh, like 90 years worth of uh, history to deal with with some of these characters. So what they can do the benefit they have is that they can go back and pick and choose runs um, and different narrative arcs and storylines that best fit what they want to do with the current characters. So examples of that you, you will have had is generally origin stories. A lot of the time a character has had like three or four, they will pick and choose elements that fit best with what they're trying to do with that character. Um, historically, I, I'd say before 2008, Generally, when a comic was adapted, um, you'd usually uh, have like the, the hero, the superhero versus a supervillain taken from that, and then different storylines um, in the past would have influenced that movie, uh, and and it generally worked as it was franchise based. So, say for instance, the uh, Raimi Spider-Man films of uh, the last decade. Uh, bits he borrowed bits and pieces from different comics to create his trilogy about uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker and Spider-Man, um, and he got the same of uh, Nolan's trilogy of Batman films, which uh, were unrelated from anything else going on with DC at the time. It was just set in Gotham to deal with Batman, and it was three movies that tied together and had a beginning, middle, and end. Um, with the Beginning with the um, advent of uh, Marvel setting up their own studio uh, and getting the rights back to some of their characters uh, with Iron Man in 2008, what we got was the closest we've ever had to comic books uh, universes being on screen. And with that, each movie plays as being part of a wider world and wider universe where characters from other films and possibly now the TV shows could appear and do appear in other movies uh, to the level where you have all these individual movies, you'll have a Thor movie and an Iron Man movie, and that will lead to the Avengers movie, which has all of these people in there. Um, and then the flip side you get of this is that because they have to pick and choose and do what they need to fit what's best. So for instance, um, 
with the upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming, don't expect it to uh, follow the story of Spider-Man Homecoming, um, the comic, because the continuity in the comic at the time is completely different with what's happening in the movie universe at the time. So they've got to serve that master, which is this almost decade worth of films and uh, continuity that they've built up in the film universe. And now they finally got the rights back to Spider-Man. They're going to try and uh, fit that all in. And uh, most of the time, I think Marvel have handled it quite uh, neatly, but there are times when it can end up a bit messy. So um, the flip side you can get with this is that people who've been reading the comics for a long time generally see a character a certain way. Um, and this is where you can get like people petitioning when they see the casting of a particular person uh, as their favorite superhero, uh, or they see a movie which has the title uh, Civil War, but it's not exactly how it was in the comic. This is where you can get some friction between the fans and, and the adaptations. But generally, personally, for me, uh, I want the cinematic or TV adaptation to fit its form. And what I mean by that is there are different considerations for film and TV than there are for comic books. And there's certain things that work in comic books that don't work in film and vice versa. So for me, as long as the spirit of the world and the characters and the storyline are captured, I'm fine. Um, though there are a few... Uh, examples of uh, films which attempt to translate the comic um, to, uh, from page to screen. Uh, and I think they work better in some contexts, like the first Sin City film, uh, but then they can sort of fail in other contexts, like with the Watchmen film. But um, at the end of the day, it's a nice, uh, a nice way for people to get introduced to a lot of these characters and it's a very good jumping point. Uh, me, myself, uh, Spider-Man, before I started reading the Spider-Man comics, uh, way back when, I was, read I was watching the Spider-Man uh, cartoon TV show uh, and the X-Men cartoon t TV show, which them themselves adapted some of the big storylines from the comics, but in a way that would work for a, a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, so for the most part, that's what you get. Though there are situations where the cinematic equivalent character may not reflect the spirit of the characters established all those years by the comic books. <laughs> Do we have an example of that? Because I'm thinking Batman v Superman. Nail meets head. <laughs> <laughs> I know that some parties uh, present may not agree with that. But... <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. That it doesn't. That Batman v Superman doesn't respect or reflect the spirit of the characters it, it, um, i'm not going to get into it it, it reflects <laughs> it reflects and respects a certain facet but yeah anyway um yeah now so yeah i think yeah hmm. uh it's um i guess we should also talk about where you should get comics from yeah because i think yeah. we've covered everything we've covered the formats we've covered that continuities and retcons are inherently confusing yeah. and that's something you shouldn't try and obsess over yeah. because it'll come as you read. And so, yeah, I think the most important factor is where do you, where do you get your comics from? Um, and I know Greg, you're a big 
proponent of going to your local comic book store to actually physically go and purchase your comics. Yes, um, yes. Uh, I mean, let's let's address, there's there's two different ways that you can get comics these days, physical and digital. So let's address the physical stuff first, going and physically buying a book from a, a brick yeah. and mortar comic book shop. Yes, the best way, the best way I think to do it is to support your local comic book shop, go into your local comic book store and buy your comic books, your trade paperbacks, your graphic novels or whatever from your local comic book store. Um, it's not necessarily always the cheapest way to do it, but comic book stores are, you know, kind of like the lifeblood of the industry. We need them. They, they, um, when when a uh, a publisher sells a comic, the artist and the writer, I think, gets the most money from the physical purchase. So if you buy a physical comic or you know in a comic book store and whatever, you're you're helping that, but you're also keeping the comic book store there. And comic book stores are a great place. They're a great place to go. They're a great thing to have in towns and cities. And and if you've ever been in a comic book store, if, when you've been, you know, you've ever been interested in, in comics and things like that, and you've ever walked into one, it's just it's just a great place to be. It's a nice place to be. It's like local record stores. If you're interested in music, you support your local record store because it's a cool place to have. It's a cool thing to have in your city, in your town. You need it there. It's something, it's something that I think is culturally significant and we should support them because we need them and we need to keep them. They're the lifeblood of the industry buy physical comic books from the comic book store i mean alternatively there are other ways to get physical books i mean places like waterstones will stock uh they'll stock trade paperbacks they'll stock graphic novels um you can even i should point out though waterstones generally or i think definitely doesn't uh they don't sell periodicals. They no, don't they sell don't. Issues. No, they no. sell trade paperbacks. Whereas yeah. the local comic book store is where you would want to go to get that's, the. Fl- yeah, that's where issues. you go to get your, your your issues, your separate issues, individual issues, your periodicals. You go to local comic book store to get them because that's that's the best way to buy those. Um, graphic novels and things like that. You can get those in other bookshops like Waterstones. Um, you can also go to the library. Most libraries now carry a graphic novel section where they'll have like um, some sort of like some of the more famous stories. So more the, the bigger batman stories that that people you know uh stories that have earned critical acclaim maybe things like that are the kind of things they tend to stock in the libraries um you can also although actually if i can interrupt because yeah. you'd be surprised um because i've been living in my area now for a good three or four years it it took me um it took me about two three years to actually even step into my local library which is like a fairly small library it's not hmm. huge doesn't have like stories and stories of books but they have a really well fleshed out uh, comic book section yeah, they have no, lots yeah. of comics yeah. and they have lots of manga as well like i honestly yeah. was surprised at how extensive it's, the yeah, uh, the collection was so mm. i mean if it might give you an excuse to step into your library um, yeah because i know that a lot of people don't these days go check it out i think you, you mm. might be pleasantly surprised by that another one that we need to keep around is local libraries so go and support your local library go and get your library yeah. card and Get your comic books from the library. Start reading the ones that they've got there. That's a good way to start. Um, the the last way you can get them is obviously the the you know the usual Amazon etc. Uh, so you can buy them online places like Amazon. You can, in some some cases you can order direct from publisher. Um, okay. And I know some comic book stores as well have eBay shops. So you can go on eBay and you can buy things from comic book stores through eBay because people like that run com- like independent little independent comic book shops will open an eBay shop as well and flog back issues online and things. Yeah, I've actually found a bunch of relatively rare comics at my local charity shop, so it might be worth popping in there and having a look as well. Yeah, and uh, onto digital, I guess. So Rahul, 
want to talk about digital? I guess, I mean, because I think out of the three of us, I'm the one who's the most on the digital comics train, I guess. Um, I don't have a lot of space to keep all these books. I wish I did. If I did and I had all the disposable income, I would be spending loads of cash on physical books. Um, But for me, it's easier to just have all of my comics that I want to read on my iPad. Um, And I use Comixology, which is now affiliated with Amazon Kindle. Um, and basically, I've set up subscriptions. So for my favorite runs, um, I it automatically takes the money out of my PayPal account and has them ready to read every Wednesday when they're released. Just I open my iPad and they're there. Um, I personally love that. I do kind of miss the you know the the pleasure of having a physical book and flipping through. And there's some conveniences you miss out on by having digital comics. For example, it's harder to flip through pages to go back and refer to you know, prior scenes and stuff. You can't have two books open at the same time next to each other to, you know, compare different scenes or whatever. But for myself, not having the space, the benefits outweigh the negatives. Um, so yeah, I, I really like Comixology. I love how they present their stuff. I love how easy it is to navigate their storefront. Um, you could also go to the publisher's own website. I know that uh, Image, for example, has their own app. They have their own site. Even though they sell their stuff on Comixology and it's all digital rights management drm free on comiXology as well you can i think they're maybe a little bit cheaper um but only can be accessed through pdf downloads or their own app when purchasing through them and i think a lot of different publishers do have that maybe just you know check into the different publishers yourself um there are various other drm free sources for example humble bundle um they tend to do a bunch of comic books every so often. In fact, recently they did Image's 25-year anniversary where they gave away, not gave away, but they had a collection of, a quite a large collection of uh, trades and stuff that you may not have heard of that you can, you know, gives you a good taster into what they have. And I think also a lot of libraries these days have online versions of their own libraries for novels as well as comic books. So you can um, borrow, quote unquote, digital versions of books and comic books from them. So maybe just check out if your local library does that service as well. Um, I think, I I know Marvel specifically has a Netflix style subscription service. Um, I don't know if DC does. I know a couple of these other places do. I know Comixology does have a pay X amount of money per month and get access to all of these comics. But I personally don't think comicsology's range is very good for what they're asking um per month i don't like the idea of that either yeah it's it's hard to know where your money's going really i don't know why i don't feel the same way about netflix but yeah on comicsology i don't it doesn't feel right i want to buy the book that i want to read and make sure the the artists and creators are getting the money from that purchase the difference for me lies in the fact that with something like netflix i'm going to watch it and i'm probably only ever going to watch it once or twice maybe at most i'm not gonna want to go back and rewatch it i'm not gonna want to look at it again and appreciate it again um as much as i am a comic book because mm. that's just this just with me with movies and tv shows i mean there's some movies i will go out and buy a blu-ray or a dvd because i think they're i think they're great films and i would want to watch them over and over again because they're awesome but there's certain things i mean like with with most stuff like most entertainment watched for me i don't want to say it's not throwaway but it's not something that i hold in such as high regard, like it is something that I would read. So, I mean, with, with comics, because I like to appreciate them and I like to go back and look through the art and I like to 
I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to sort of look at the art and be like, oh yeah, this is, you know, and, and think about that a little bit and enjoy it in, 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 as an art form. So I will like to own a comic because I will like to be able to go back to it whenever I want. And the danger with a subscription service is when the subscription ends, that's your comics library gone. That's what yeah, I don't like I th- about it. I think I agree with that. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel. And for myself personally, I'll purchase the comic books digitally in the issue format when the issues come out because I'm impatient and I can't wait for the trades to be collected. And then what I'll do is when the trade is released, I'll wait a little while, maybe wait for it to go a bit cheaper and then purchase the physical trade if I really like it. Yeah. Um, I do that quite a lot. I have lots of repeat repeat purchases (laughs) for for these kind of things. Um, One thing I didn't mention about digital comics, if you do get DRM free versions, these tend to be either in PDF or uh, CBR format. So .CBR, which uh, I think translates to dot comic book reader format. And you can find CBR readers and PDF readers, which are specifically for comic book readers. Um, I think that Android and iPad, they have lots of different versions. I think the one that I use on iPad is Comic Zeal. And the one that I used when I had an Android tablet was uh, Perfect Reader, I think. Perfect Viewer. But Perfect Viewer. Perfect it's, viewer. The, it's the one right. I use, yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll put a couple of links to these things yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess we should give people some places to start. So uh, we're going to have like a, a sort of short little list each, a rundown of place, good places that we think you should start. So think places to get started on comics, good starting points that we've we've been that we know from our own experiences. So, Ray, you're first. Uh, yeah, well, actually, my my very first comic run that I read from start to end, uh, which got me into understanding how comic runs work is one we mentioned earlier, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, I think it's fantastic. It's like 120 issues in total. Um, read, I read them through start to end, uh, completely loved it. Um, another one I'd recommend is X-Men Days of Future Past. If only just to compare how different uh, the comic of the same name as the film is how different they are to each other you might be surprised to find how short the comic is compared to the movie and how completely different the plots are apart from maybe one or two um crossing over points uh other than that my favorite graphic novel ever is watchmen and my favorite current ongoing run which is not is not finished and we don't have an end point in sight is saga which now has two beautiful hardback collections. So I think the first hardback collection is maybe the first eight or ten volumes put together. They're huge and they're gorgeous. I'd go check them out if I were you. <clears throat> How about you, Leon? Yeah, I'd say um, for me, I've split mine into sort of rough themes that I think are, are cover a wide gamut of places that you might be coming from when wanting to start a comic. So as a good starting point for superheroes, I would recommend uh, Frank Miller's run, uh, Batman Year One from the 80s. Um, the thing that I think why uh, makes this so good is that it, it, it's a collected story, beginning, middle and end. Um, and it's, it removes any or I should say a lot of the baggage that you might have from a character who's been around since the 30s. And what it does, it's a sort of semi-reimagining 
of Batman in his first uh, Bruce Wayne in his first year as Batman. And the thing that's so great about it is that it recontextualizes Gotham um, and it just creates this new world um, that brings back some elements that you you're familiar with, whether no matter how much exposure you've had, but also is a fresh sort of starting point in terms of how this world works. And um, I think it's a nice, easy read to get into. Um, If you're coming from uh, a more literary background and uh, you're jumping off onto this from being an avid book reader, then I would uh, highly recommend uh, Lock and Key. Uh, by uh, the author Joe Hill and um, artist, I always forget his name, Gabriel. Oh, I have put it in the show notes. I hate, feel bad. Gabriel, oh, yeah. Gabriel Rodriguez. Yes, Rodriguez, it, I thought it was Rodriguez, yeah. but I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, and that is a really cool, um, horror esque in some ways um, story. So if you're familiar with any of uh, Hill's novels, um, it's in a similar sort of tone and theme. Um, and I think that's a good starting off point because with that one, it it, it reads in ways like a book. Um, it doesn't have superheroes or weird stuff. It, um, like doesn't have superheroes or like weird powers or anything like that. Instead, it's a nice sort of fancy uh, horror tale that I think is really good going in and a, re- a really good... Uh, I would say gateway drug into uh, um, getting into comics. Um, and the run itself isn't that long as well. So there's not that many uh, collected editions that you need to read to get the whole story. Um, if um, you're looking to get into something that is finished, but is also uh, quite fast paced uh, and sort of feels like it's uh a cable TV show, like something that would be on HBO, um, I'd highly recommend uh, Why the Last Man, um, which is... It, not to go into it, but the basic story is that nearly, pretty much every male on the planet, every male mammal on the planet has died, apart from a guy and his uh, pet monkey. And it uh, it covers a lot of interesting... Uh, themes, scenarios, and uh, stories, and I think that's it's a good starting off point. I had a big gap uh, between where I was big reading comics as a teenager, and then there was a little bit of a gap uh, at the end of my teens, early twenties, and it was going into my local library where I picked up um, the first volume of uh, Why the Last Man um, that uh, got me hooked on that. Uh, and got me hooked back into uh, comics and graphic novels. Um, And then finally, I would um, recommend, if you want something easy, something fun, uh, and something that has a lot of references to uh, other stuff, especially if you're a gamer, I recommend uh, Bradley O'Malley's uh, Scott Pilgrim series, uh, starting off with the first volume, which is... uh, called Precious Little Life. Um, I'd highly recommend that. They're they're fun. um, They're quite easy reads. And there's a a lot of affection for music in there as well. And I just think um, 
I think it works well as a, as a jumping off point also because um, especially with the new color editions, the artwork's so nice and so eye popping, and they're really fast reads and they're they're something that like stand out on your shelf, um, and they're very good for like um, getting other people into them who who are probably pushed back when they hear someone talk about comics. Just to add to that, um, if you are going to pick up Scott Pilgrim, definitely go for the color editions. They're gorgeous. Like, they just add a lot more to it. Don't go for the black and white ones. Go for the color editions. Um, I would agree. As far as my recommendations go, anything that is number, any number one, start with any number one. So you see a character you like on TV or in a film, uh, you've been watching, I don't know, the Batman Nolan films, you're going to you just pick up a number one, a Batman number one. I, I, Actually, um, Leon Leon already covered it, but Batman Year One's a great place to start for that anyway. Because Batman Year One is now... When people talk about the origins of Batman, that's the kind of stuff that they're talking about. That's that's how people... Um, that's like the sort of... The, the taken origin now, the taken mythology is Batman Year One. That's what people say is, you know... And people say, yeah, Year One is, is where Batman started. So go with go with it, go with with a number one, any number one. Uh, walk into combo shop, uh, look for a character you like, um, go through the trades on the shelf and find trade number one and just start there because that's always a good place to start, number one. Because and, and if you if you start at number one and you carry on, you start reading it and after issue three or whatever, you don't like it, stop reading it. It's fine to do that. It's fine to put it down. And, and if, if you don't enjoy it, don't feel guilty about not finishing it. Just put it down and pick up another number one and keep going and keep going and keep going and doing that because that's the, for me that's the best way to do it. That's how I did it. Like like I described at the start of this, it's like my my approach to comics has always been through exposure through other things. So like I, I'll watch a cartoon or something, um, like the X Men cartoon. I was like that guy looks like a badass. I want to read about that guy. So I'll, I'll go and find a comic involving Wolverine. And I'll read about Wolverine and then I'll see something in the Wolverine comic and I'll that's referenced to an event or whatever and I'll be like oh, that sounds interesting, so I'll go and find out what that is, and I'll be like, yeah, maybe I want to read about that as well. So then I'll go and get the comics that, or, or, or uh, you know, a, a graphic novel that's got that event in it, and I'll read that, and I'll be like, this is so cool. And then I'll see something in that event that I don't recognise, or another <laughs> character, and then I'll go on from there and buy another book. And that's that's how I did it, just just very bits and pieces, very schizophrenic and sporadic, just all over the place. But, and this is that rabbit hole we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, like it's, it's so easy to fall down. And it's yeah. great. That's part of the love of it. So. so what I'm saying to you is don't be afraid to fall down the rabbit hole. Just walk into the comic book store, buy a number one, and then if that number one takes you on a weird journey, just go let with it. it. Just let it. Yeah, just just follow it. <laughs> just follow the, follow, the, follow the breadcrumbs. Go wherever, you know. It's, it's interesting and it's fun and it's like you're in charge of your own sort of consumption so if and it is you're taking from it what appeals to you you're not just reading it out of duty start to finish even if there's bits of it you don't like you're just taking the bits that appeal to you which is the best way to do it i think yeah i would agree and uh i guess that wraps it up so um just to finish um thanks for listening guys um we have been Ace Comicals. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, well at Ace Comicals. You can find us on WordPress, um, which is acecomicals.wordpress.com. You can find us um, at 
www.acecomicals.com, which is our newly launched website um, through Fireside. Um, so that all our podcasts will be hosted there from now on. Um, you will be able to find us eventually on iTunes. And you can also find us on Facebook, which is uh, Facebook slash Ace Comicals. And uh, do we have any way of like contacting each other specifically? So if I wanted to send a question directly to you, Greg, where would I find that? Um, well, you can, you can get me on Twitter, which is at Bato, so B-A-T-T-O-U. Or you can send an email to um, acecomicals.gmail.com. And Leon, how about you? Where can we reach you on the internet? Best place is uh, at Leon Everett on Twitter. Cool. And for myself, it's at Monkey. So that's M-O-O-N-K-E-H on Twitter. And that wraps it up. So thanks for listening, guys. And uh, yeah, get involved, ask us some questions. And um... go read some comics. Yeah, go read some comics. (laughs) 